I'm Catherine Lanfer, and you're listening to Iran and the Bomb on America Abroad. So what options exist for United States policy toward Iran? And do recent talks and the promise of further negotiation mean that tensions are easing? To find out more, we're talking with Mike Makowski. He's the foreign policy director at the Bipartisan Policy Center, and he formerly worked at the Pentagon under President George W. Bush. We're also talking with Aaron David Miller. He's a public policy fellow at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Prior to joining the Wilson Center, he served as an advisor on the Middle East to six secretaries of state. Hey, welcome, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you. In the interest of full disclosure, we should note that America Abroad's executive producer, Aaron Lobel, has contributed to bipartisan policy center reports on Iran. Iranian diplomats met in Istanbul with representatives from the five member countries of the United Nations Security Council, also with Germany. And to an outside observer, it seems like all they did was agree to meet again. So why was this hailed as such a big move, Aaron? Well, in large part because nobody, neither the Iranians, the Americans, nor the Israelis, are prepared right now to accept the uh, the alternative. So if you don't have a process, and if sanctions won't um, deter or undermine the, the mullah's determination to, to acquire capacity to produce a weapon or weapon itself, then, in fact, you're left with a default position, which is war. And the Iranians certainly don't want to be the object of an American attack. So we'll go with process for now. Okay. Mike, did something happen there besides making a date? I agree with Aaron uh, that there's a, there's a preference here among most of the parties for process over movement. And uh, because, as Aaron said, uh, the alternative is could be something more significant. I do think the Israelis, though, um, are much more concerned about what happened in Istanbul. Well, in fact, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu from Israel said that Iran got a freebie. Well, what did he mean by that? I mean, I think he has worked hard, and the Israelis understandably have worked hard, to build a set of pressures, including cyber attacks, um, sanctions, and putting this issue on the top of Barack Obama's agenda. And uh, for the Israelis, probably the only thing that is worse uh, than a negotiation is one that drags out interminably without end and, and serves as a screen to cover uh, the mullah's efforts to continue to enrich uranium. So they're quite suspicious, and understandably so. What adjustments, if any, is the Obama administration making in the wake of the talks in Istanbul? Look, the president basically has has argued, uh, we're not containing Iran anymore. We're going to prevent them from acquiring a weapon. That's a short-term deposit in an effort to forestall the Israelis and create more confidence and to avoid war. In the end, however, it puts the president on the hook for acting uh, on the basis of what he's articulated publicly. So no war, no deal in 2012 is what I would say. It's a 2013 problem. When it comes to the mindset of the leadership in, in Iran, what exactly is in it for them in pursuing a nuclear weapons program, especially when we, we look at the fact that the sanctions talk is tough and it's getting tougher? Michael Mikowski? Uh One, it believes it could strengthen itself, that the regime would be strengthened from achieving nuclear weapons capability, which is generally assumed to be a popular issue in Iran, that even those who oppose the regime support the country achieving that weapons capability. It would also gain greater control over the Persian Gulf and oil prices, which is very important, obviously, also for the the viability of the regime. It would also strengthen Iran's influence in the region, which has been an interest of Iranian governments going back for a couple millennia. 
talk about the difference, both of you, between Iran wanting to have nuclear weapons and Iran wanting to have the capability to do so. Uh, Mike? They're basically uh, three aspects of achieving nuclear weapons capability. Uh, there's the enrichment of the material. There's the development of the actual weapon that triggers a nuclear reaction. And then there's a delivery mechanism, which could be like a missile. Of all those three components, the most difficult one to achieve is the enrichment. But it's also the easiest to determine. So when a country has enough enrichment to develop a bomb, I think you have to assume that they have a bomb. Aaron David Miller? Mike's arguing, and I think quite rightly, that if, in fact, you you can pass the first stage, the second and third could be grouped in a kind of time-sensitive way called a breakout phase. That is to say, once you have enough fissile material, the other two components become a matter of a, of a hundred-yard dash, whereas the development of the fissile material may have taken years to develop. So the Obama administration has been distinguishing between the capacity to produce a weapon, that is to say the one screwdriver turn away from weaponization, and the weapon itself. The Israelis argue that, in fact, if the first phase is crossed, they will be well on their way to actually weaponizing. Michael Mikowski? First of all, I think the president's rhetoric has definitely strengthened lately. I think the challenge is for the president now to put some of that rhetoric into action. And I think the way to do that is to make those words more credible. He has to do and say things, not just him, but also congressional leaders and other parts of our government to show that we mean that. For example, I think that we should have uh, public hearings on the military option. We also should preposition some more weapons and make it very visible that we're doing that. In the region, there is more that our government could do to put uh, deeds uh, behind that rhetoric. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu visited Washington last month. He, He met with President Obama. What sort of timetable do you think was possibly hammered out then? Mike? No, you go ahead. Uh, Look, I I think the Israelis have this notion of the zone of immunity that at some point Iran will have so hardened their particular sites with so much uh, redundancy uh, and secrecy that those Iranian nuclear facilities will be on the point that they can be seriously retarded, let alone destroyed by Israeli military action. That means enter the United States. Barring some fundamental breakthrough in the diplomacy, if the president is serious about this, and he seems to be, I think in 2013, if nothing changes, the odds of military action by the United States go up. To round out here, I would love to hear from both of you what you'd like to see the Obama administration do next. And Mike Mikowski, we'll start with you and then we'll end with Aaron David Miller. As I said earlier, I believe that preventing a nuclear weapons capable Iran is a proper objective. It's, it's verifiable and it's more easily preventable while weaponization is not. Secondly, I think they have to put more action behind their rhetoric that all options are on the table. Aaron David Miller. Four things. Keep sanctions on. Keep the threat of military force on the table. Test the possibility that a serious diplomatic initiative might be launched at a very senior and secret level. And finally, we cannot go into what I fear uh, will be a looming military confrontation between the United States and Iran without thinking through all of the consequences, however difficult that may be to predict, conditioning the public to the risks and to the advantages. And we need to think this one through very carefully. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, Catherine. Thank you for having me, Catherine. 
We've been talking to Aaron David Miller, a public policy fellow at the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Before joining the Wilson Center, he served as an advisor on the Middle East to six secretaries of state. We've also been talking to Mike Makowski, foreign policy director at the Bipartisan Policy Center and former Pentagon employee under President George W. Bush. You've been listening to Iran and the Bomb from America Abroad. Check out more features, including additional interviews and maps of Iran at americaabroad.org. You'll also be able to find our podcast and listen to past programs. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, or on Twitter at America underscore abroad. Iran and the Bomb was produced by Monica Bushman, Joseph Brody, Linda Gradstein, A.C. Valdez, and Megan Williams, with additional production by Flan Williams. Steve Martin is our director of broadcasting and station relations. Four-piece suit composed our theme music. I'm Catherine Lamford, and this is America Abroad from NPR Worldwide. Support for this program is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the Stewart Family Foundation, and the American Interest, a magazine devoted to illuminating America's global role. Support also comes from this station and public radio international stations nationwide and is made possible in part by the PRI Program Fund, whose contributors include the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation.